Hello and welcome to another SPAC Insider podcast, where we bring an independent eye in interviewing the targets of SPAC transactions and their SPAC partners. SPACs have been searching hard for combination targets with lean balance sheets and strong cash flow. So why not combine with a company that helps other companies develop lean balance sheets and strong cash flow? Aries Technology does just that, working frequently in conjunction with private equity firms to find efficiencies in their target companies amid a turnaround. I'm Nick Clayton, and this week my colleague Melina Haddad and I speak with Sudhir Panikassari, founder and CEO of Aries. It announced a $391 million combination with Worldwide Web Acquisition Corp. in March. Sudhir explains why sourcing clients through private equity firm partners has helped it maintain sticky retention, while expanding its margins as it embeds its services deeper in company operations. Daniel Webb, CEO and CFO of Worldwide Web, also joins to discuss why Aries is a fit for the current climate and how they have structured the transaction to provide additional potential upside. Take a listen. And so, Daniel, you know, it's been an interesting year, that, or actually two years almost, that you've been searching. And I'm just really interested in and how did you come around to Aries and what was your thesis when investing? Yeah, thanks. Uh, it was a very interesting time, as you mentioned. We talked to and looked at over 200 companies, but Aries really stood out as the key target for us. And really, it was their profitable growth that originally ta- caught my attention. They've actually been able to grow profitably and with no outside capital since 2013. And so that was really what caught my attention. But then I wanted to dig in deeper to see what is it that really made them able to achieve you know, such high growth while maintaining strong margins. And what I learned is that they have a really differentiated product offering. And so I think about what they do in two layers, one being outsourcing and one being technology and services that sits on top of that. And so if you think about a company in the US, they're looking to you know, hire, build their team, fill out their org chart, and they can do that with local talent, or they could use Aries and fill out their org chart with people that, that will cost 65% less than if they hired those people locally. And so what Aries is able to do is slot in people, you know, senior people across engineering, across finance, cybersecurity, HR, and so across the full organization, really fill out the places where the, where the company can, can use additional people and do so at a 65% less cost. You know, that's very differentiated compared to what's out there in the market. There are some other vendors that would do outsource services and, and you know, outsource to low-cost geographies. However, the connectedness that Aries has with, with the client, where the, the people that are working for Aries are really part of the org chart. And so, you know, it'd be actually your controller and his team that are, that are working directly with the company rather than a distant vendor relationship where you're sending something over the wall on a specific project and having that come back. And so that integration with the company where the company can actually really use these resources in the best way creates synergies for both sides. So that the client, the people that are working for Aries, they really get a much better work experience because they're actually integrated into the US company. And so they have the chance for promotion, chance for understanding the entire company. And then that just leads to better business outcomes for for the companies that they're working with. And then they also had a differentiated go-to-market strategy. And so we saw that they were integrated you know, every time a private equity firm was going out, acquiring another company, they can bring in Aries. Aries can, can see where there's opportunities to put in outsourcing, put in additional technology services on top of what's already there, and from the outset, really be a part of the strategy alongside the, the private equity firm. And so that go-to-market where they're now 
built into 10 private equity firms and their portfolio companies was a really differentiated go-to-market strategy. And so all of that has led to really strong unit economics and profitable growth. And so we saw that as a strong differentiator in a, in a company that had better metrics than we'd, than we'd seen across more than 200 companies that we'd looked at. Yeah, definitely. And for Sudir, Daniel sort of walked through a lot of the, the kind of suite of services you guys have been growing and, and building over time there. But when was it that you sort of first saw the uh, private equity transactions as being sort of a kind of a catalytic event and, and a, a good time as a, kind of creating a market for what you do in, in terms of making companies more efficient? We started uh, looking at this uh, somewhere in 2012, but, uh, but in essence, the journey towards that started with our earlier venture called M-Model, which was one of the world's largest healthcare services and technology company. Uh, we sold that in 2012 to JP Morgan, one equity partners for a uh, for $1.1 billion. Around that time, from our experience of working with private equity uh, throughout our uh, earlier venture, we, we kind of realized that private equity as an ultimate stakeholder in portfolio companies, especially where they have taken controlled investments is a ideal opportunity to provide benefits, not just to the portfolio company, but also to the uh, private equity themselves. What does a private equity look for? They look for value creation and value creation comes from margin expansion as in the portfolio company, as well as a general technological upgradation of the portfolio company. Both of these key elements creates a value creation that ultimately benefits the uh, private equity. And for us, that nicely fell into what next we should do uh, from a business venture perspective uh, once we have sold a model to one equity partners. So we, our journey started in 2012, but the preparatory work on that in terms of assessment, et cetera, started well before. Right. And so looking at your sales cycle, how early does Aries come into the process? Do you consult with private equity firms before they make their transactions? So uh, typically in a private equity led situation, we come uh, into the stage where they're in the, uh, they're in the pretty advanced uh, in terms of acquisition of the target. Uh, the data room is filled up. There's a lot of work already done. Uh, we kind of work through the data room to evaluate all the functions and activities without exception in the target organization. So we come in pretty early. Many times it also happens that the private equity relationship happens, but they already have existing portfolio companies. In that situation, especially where the portfolio company is a controlled investment by the private equity, we get in as consultants, advisors to look at their business structure, and then we start this journey. So that process takes maybe around four to five months. But in a in an acquisition process by the private private equity, we come in pretty early. And so among your services, what are some of the things that you feel like just about every company that you look at can benefit from? And what are some of the areas where you've seen the average company getting better before you engage with them? What we do is that we fill in a big gap in today's uh, ecosystem, which is driven by sh very short business cycles, uh, needing the company to uh, change directions, change strategies, uh, adopt and implement business structures uh, that are uh, critical, not just for their existence, but for their growth and expansion. The traditional models of outsourcing doesn't allow that, uh, which is uh, you can set up a subsidiary uh, in a right location, ramp it up, or you can 
go to a vendor or vendors. Both of these models are highly inefficient. It's not geared for today's uh, business cycles. We fill, we kind of fill that gap because in our engagement model, which is a, a which is a, uh, I would say, clear benefit uh, to the client organization, we integrate into the client's business structure and to their business strategy. We become seamlessly part and parcel of their business organization. We are able to then strategize multiple things, not just outsourcing under a different different model, but also bring in technology capabilities, analytics capabilities, new age technology solutions uh, in the right context, uh, because we have visibility into the entire structure of the client organization. Uh, so this gives us, puts us in an ideal situation for the client to benefit from our expertise, uh, which is critical for the client, because in today's environment, you not just you you have to be not just a lean organization. Your organization has to be upgraded technologically. Plus, you have to, you have to continuously be lean uh, as you go forward over the years. Uh, so our model actually helps them drive towards that uh, in a very smooth, non-disruptive, and a clean way. Great. And we've touched upon a little bit in terms of how you were able to source a large amount of your client pipeline through your existing network among the, uh, those private equity companies and their portfolio companies. But the company I see uh, does still have some uh, customer acquisition costs. And so what goes into that uh, for you guys and about how much of Aries's business is coming from outside of those existing relationships? So we grew by default with the private equity uh, because of relationship we had with them with their first portfolio company they acquired in 2012, uh, which was a small uh, a carve out out of a much larger organization, $25 million in revenue. Uh, we kind of fine-tuned our model with them and then expanded with that private equity as they acquired more and more portfolio companies over the years. Today, we work with 10 private equities, all of them marquee names and their portfolio companies. In addition, we have got uh, referrals from CXOs who left these portfolio companies, joined other organizations and came back to us to help them in their organization because I understood the benefit they, they derived from the relationship in the portfolio company they were when we engaged with them. So all this while, while we, we have been experiencing a 32% growth, our, our expense, expenses on sales and marketing has been pretty low because all of these client acquisitions have come through our connections, our network and relationships. And as the years progressed, it was word of mouth, satisfied CXOs, bring in referrals, the private equities themselves referring to other private equities, especially where they have joint co-invest situations and so on and so forth. So really speaking, very low cost of acquisition of customers. So that has been our story uh, so far. It has resulted into significant year-on-year -year growth, and we are expanding pretty fast especially the last uh, two to two and a half years. Great. And, and looking at beyond, I guess, organic growth and into some of the opportunities and inorganic growth, what are some of the things that you've been looking for in terms of acquisition targets on both the kind of the smaller tuck-in scale versus, and what might be different in terms of what you're, you might be searching for in terms of a more transformative move in, in M&A? As part of our strategy, we are looking at very strong organic growth and expanding the velocity of that. That's one part. The second part is inorganic. In the inorganic, we are looking at uh, token acquisitions, basically fulfilling uh, three criteria. One, a geographical coverage in terms of customer base and operations. Second, service area augmentation 
that augments the current services that we provide. Third, reasonable capabilities in new age technology solutions, analytics, and evolving technology solutions for their client base. So these are the criteria that we, we have used to identify the targets for the token acquisitions. So in all, these token acquisitions will kind of expand our customer base, expand our service area capabilities, and expand our area of operations and bring us to a, a different level of velocity coupled with the organic growth uh, that is already significant. So that's the path we have chosen, and we expect that to start getting implemented post-DSPAC. Right. And your materials note that you've been EBITDA positive for quite some time now, and you currently project to double your EBITDA margins from 14% in 2021 to 28% in 2024. What exactly is driving that margin growth? Yeah. So in our model, as I said, we integrate into the client's organization. And typically, we go through a path that is in four stages. Stage one and stage two is the initial phase where we start and implementing our engagement model and ramping up the outsourcing activity. Stage three is where, uh, based on stage one and stage two and our and the knowledge that we gain from there, we identify areas within the organization structure where we can implement new age technology solutions, bring in automation tools, bring it, bring in analytics, and so on and so forth. And let's walk through how your land and expand strategy works over time. What services are you typically looking to branch into each year you have a new client? And what typically happens when the private equity firm exits their investment in the company? In the land and expand approach, which is from our perspective, a typical stage one to stage four process as the contract goes through a maturity process with the client. As I said, in stage one and stage two is where we typically start with outsourcing under the unique engagement model as a starting point. What we exactly do is that we evaluate the organization across all functions, all activities without exception. We kind of slot them into three categories. The category A is where we identify opportunities and functions and activities for outsourcing. Uh, that is basically the cost takeout. The category B is where we identify opportunities for uh, process optimization, uh, workflow improvements, automation, et cetera. Stage three is where uh, the category C is where we identify opportunities for implementing new age technology solution, digital transformation, technological upgradation in general, and so on and so forth. And stage four is where we fully integrate into the a customer's organization structure. So basically, it goes uh, through these four stages uh, when we, uh, until we are finally fully integrated into the business structure of the, the customer. Uh, as far as we are concerned, the private equity in a private equity health portfolio company situation, uh, the private equity is a stakeholder. It's a owner of the company. We are our MSA is with the portfolio company. And we are fully integrated by stage four with the client organization. It becomes part and parcel seamlessly of their organization structure and their business strategy. When the ownership changes in a private equity situation, typically three years, four years, five years, nothing changes as far as a portfolio company is concerned operationally. Operationally, we become integral to their business structure. The incoming private equity actually sees 
during the diligence process itself, uh, the benefits that we bring uh, to the portfolio company in terms of margin expansion and general technological upgradation and making a lean organization out of this structure that the portfolio company has put across. And they see the benefits of us continuing to engage. And in most of these cases, the management team drives the decisions. So our engagement continues. What happens as a collateral benefit in such situation is that the new private equity sees the benefit of this and examines what possibilities and potential for engaging us with their portfolio companies that may require these services. And getting more into the SPAC side of things, how did you come to the conclusion that now is a good time for Aries to become a public company? And how did you ultimately land on the SPAC route to make that happen? Yes, so we have been, last three to four years, we have been working on our uh, strategy for growth, reaching certain substantial milestones. Our uh, mission is to become a significant player in the outsourcing uh, field uh, under a unique engagement model, which will be disruptive, uh, which is a differentiated model. Uh, to achieve that, our path was organic plus inorganic, very clearly. This was built around three to four years back. While we had, we explored multiple opportunities, uh, structures to achieve that, around 2021, we came across Daniel and his SPAC, and we we kind of examined that very closely. We realized that in a SPAC situation, for us to achieve the strategy, SPAC makes better sense because it gives us control over the organization. It gives us control over the operations. It can, gives us control over the board. All these three elements are critical for us to uh, ensure that we take decisions, execute those decisions strategically to achieve those uh, achieve the uh, objective of becoming a significant player. And the SPAC situation also leads to a public company situation because of accelerated growth that we are experiencing. We feel that we are in a right spot uh, from a growth perspective and a public company situation via SPAC uh, is much more efficient from a time perspective. And it uh, enables us to have that flexibility uh, and leverage of that a public company situation offers for us to accelerate our growth path. And Daniel, you touched upon uh, your search process a bit uh, right at the very beginning here, but I just wanted to kind of go back to that a little bit, just in that it was interesting that I, I saw, you know, your initial S1 showed that uh, World Wide Web was going to be initially looking at internet companies like direct-to-consumer brands, fintech, and online marketplaces, but also you IPO'd in October 2021 when the market conditions were a little bit brighter for those types of companies. I'm just curious, as you were look, looking at targets throughout this period of time, did your criteria shift at all with the climate and, and sort of what were you seeing as, as, I guess, Aries was sort of coming, rising to the top among uh, the companies you're looking at? Yeah, so we still have the same acquisition criteria, which is find a market-leading platform with a differentiated product offering, a sustainable growth opportunity, large TAM, and attractive unit economics. And we were able to find that in Aries. And so really, um, you know, what differentiated Aries versus the others that we saw, especially in the changing market conditions, as you, as you mentioned, is we really started to focus on profitable growth and profitability, right? I think early on in the process, the general market was looking at kind of growth at any cost. And then there was a market shift to profitability and cash flow. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we have an offering that the market's going to love and, and be able to support. And we found that in Aries in their profitable growth and the, the high cash flows. And so across all of our acquisition criteria, 
Aries was able to score kind of 10 out of 10. And those criteria didn't change, but the shift in focus to a highly profitable company happened across the entire market. And so we think that Aries is going to be unique in the SPAC offerings that are coming out currently, as well as new issues, and that they have a very profitable model that's growing significantly. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, we've seen a lot of SPAC deals in sectors that are very new and, and, and sometimes, you know, targets that are somewhat pre-commercialization and things like that, which always makes the valuation question really difficult. But, you know, I, I, I guess probably one of the, the favorable things or, or I guess more attractive things about Aries is that, you know, it does have several public listed peers out there. And so just sort of, can you walk us through a little bit of your strategy as you're walking into the, the valuation question uh, once you got to that stage? Yeah. I, as you mentioned, there are a lot of, you know, public comps out there. Obviously, from a business model perspective, Aries is differentiated. But from a comps perspective, we were looking at EBITDA multiples. And on a 2024 basis, we were able to, to come in at a, at a very attractive multiple. So around 10 times on 2024. And we think that that's uh, you know, a significant discount where the comps are trading around 15 times. And, and so we feel really good about the margin of safety that's created for ourselves as, where, as well as the investor universe. And then on top of that, we created a unique structure where there are bonus shares for investors that, that don't redeem. And so we want to incentivize people to come into the stock, hold it, and not redeem at the, at the end of the, at the DSPAC. And for those that do, we'll get incentive bonus shares. And so it's possible for people to come in at a five times 2024 EBITDA multiple, whereas the comps are trading at 15. And so we think that they'll trade up at least to where the comps are. But given that they're trading... Uh, growing significantly faster and have higher margins than the comps, we think that in reality, they should they should trade at a much higher multiple. And so we think this is a really attractive, and that was part of our investment thesis as well, is, is finding you know, a, an attractive valuation, which we think we've done here with Aries. And for you know, public investors that are coming in, they get to come in in an even better situation, better multiple. Yeah, that was actually exactly what I wanted to ask about next in terms of, you know, some of the thoughts you, you put into structuring this with the bonus shares or there was that which you touched on, but just sort of how did you look at um, the process for aligning value between the sponsor and, uh, and Aries uh, over the sort of the medium term? Yeah, I mean, all of us have the same goals, right? And so that made it very easy. So Dear and I, early on in the process, uh, were able to align ourselves of goal of how can we raise significant amount of capital for the business as well as create a strong trading post DSPAC? And so really we set it up to, to hit those goals. And so the bonus shares come in to allow people to get a discount so that we can raise additional capital up front. And then we also think that it creates a really great entry price where people can ride along with us on the upside in the equity as, as they hit their goals. And so really as this trades up to where, where it should based on the comps, we have significant upside that's built in for everyone. And obviously this is a long-term play for all of us. And so the company and, and management team, they're not selling any of their shares, they're rolling 100% in. And so we see this as a, you know, how do we create really long-term value for all shareholders? And that's how we structured it. And, and it was fairly easy to come across that conclusion because we were aligned on that vision from day one. Nobody's trying to, to you know, make a quick exit. And so just going off of that, given that final redemptions are still an unknown, how much do Aries' plans for the next two years change based on what the final proceeds wind up being from this deal? Yeah, so actually, because they're profitable, it's different than probably you've seen in other SPACs. Actually, the, the financial model that's been put together by Aries does not include additional capital through the DSPAC. And so anything that would come in addition to that 
would be additional upside and an opportunity for them to deploy capital uh, across you know additional marketing additional sales at, for organic growth as well as an additional inorganic growth and so we we see this as a massive opportunity any additional capital that comes in can really accelerate the business beyond what they can do just off their own cash flows and and so what you see in the model there can be achieved without additional capital. And so we see this as a real opportunity to, to step on the gas and, and get additional capital into the business and accelerate M&A. And what would you say is a new service or technology that you're most excited to fold into what you're already doing for clients? So as part of our process, we have a pretty strong technology team. And as I said, we came from the background of building up a uh, one of the world's largest healthcare services and technology company. Uh, we built it from $100,000 to more than $500 million in turnover, including uh, building up the technology elements over there. Similarly, over here, our in Aries, our strategy is to build upon that. Uh, the Most of the team members, the leadership, we have been around uh, from our earlier ventures. Our intention in this new venture, relatively new venture, I would say, is uh, to build it to a similar or a, and a bigger size over a period of time uh, with technology being the key driver. So we have a pretty strong technology team that has built solutions, products, not just with traditional technology elements, uh, but also new age technology solutions, blockchain, uh, AI-based solutions, and so on and so forth that is consistently, continuously being evaluated, implemented, and commissioned as we move along. So we see that technology will play a very critical role as we move to the stage three in each of our clients. And the team is constantly integrated in discussions with the client organization, understands the technology roadmap, and understands also potential solutions and areas that can be built in. In our view, the importance of technology is critical. It will move towards new age technology solutions, AI-based technology solutions, blockchain-based secure technology elements, as well as the newer elements that are coming in in terms of chat GPT, metaverse, and so on and so forth. We see this as moving towards that direction very fast. And our technology team is fully clued in and as we speak evolving solutions uh, building up potential solutions and so on and so forth so this is how we see our integration with the client into a technology driven uh, partnership with the client organization